0: As patients turn to PT first, be on the forefront with a diagnostic process that is logical, efficient, and cost-effective. The McKenzie method of mechanical diagnosis and therapy puts patients first. Find a course in your area at McKenzieInstituteUSA.org. Defining moment spotlights a particular moment, incident, or case that either led the writer to a career in physical therapy or confirmed why he or she decided to become a physical therapist or physical therapist assistant. The following essay, titled Physical Therapy to the Rescue, is read by its author, Paul Cadillo, PT-DPT. He is clinic director at Pear and Murata Physical Therapy in Bakersfield, California. He also is a certified strength and conditioning specialist. Seek vivant ut ali. That phrase is repeated during training and afterward among the Brotherhood of Search and Rescue, or SAR, swimmers in the U.S. Navy and U.S. Coast Guard. It's SAR's motto, it's Latin for so others may live, and it's been my motivating theme in military life and beyond. In August 2001, I left the comfort of home, family, and friends to do something more with my life. At 18, I enlisted in the Navy to be trained as a helicopter SAR swimmer, seeking camaraderie in the form of training, discipline, and service. A month later, while I stood in ranks with my shipmates during basic training at Great Lakes, Illinois, the second of the World Trade Center's twin towers fell in New York City. That moment changed my life. I was fully prepared to pay the ultimate sacrifice in defense of my country and to defend those who cannot defend themselves. I proudly served in the Navy for five years, including two tours of duty to support coalition forces on the ground during Operation Iraqi Freedom in 2005 and 2006. I later earned my Doctor of Physical Therapy degree and now I've been a physical therapist for five years. Search and rescue has continued to be my calling. The United States spends more healthcare dollars on imaging, surgeries, and pharmaceuticals, by far, than does any other industrialized country. Yet we continue to report a high prevalence of chronic pain, illness, and disability. We're in the midst of an opioid epidemic. Every time we turn on the television, it seems someone is frolicking in the meadows Pain and disease-free, promoting a super pill that somehow will solve America's pain problems. Is it any surprise, then, that opioid dependence is rampant? Currently, there are about 120 non-opioid drugs under review by the Food and Drug Administration. But is that the answer? Hardly. As a society, we largely continue down the self-defeating path of chasing chronic pain rather than promoting affordable and effective ways to prevent pain, such as physical therapy as highlighted in the APTA's potentially game-changing Choose PT campaign. I practiced in Bakersfield, California in an underserved community. Some 90% of the individuals on my caseload have a managed care health plan. Recently, I evaluated a young man who appeared to be almost 20 years older than his actual age. He was significantly underweight. His pupils were pinpoint, his eyes were glazed. He had dry skin. He was lethargic and irritable. He reported chronic low back pain and also frequent pain in the upper abdomen. Over the past couple of years, I've learned that dyspepsia or indigestion is an adverse bowel dysfunction that is often caused by chronic opioid use. I asked my patient how long he'd been taking Norco, a commonly prescribed narcotic for unspecified low back pain. Unsurprisingly, I learned he had been taking prescribed and non-prescribed opioids for more than five years. He reported feeling disconnected from his right lower leg. At one point, he even asked me to cut it off. Needless to say, I steered away from that solution. My treatment plan for him, rather, has consisted of basic pain science education, restoring non-painful mobility with motor control exercises, and using directional preference and manual therapy techniques. While that treatment plan has been beneficial for him, such patients also need the services of psychologists and cognitive behavioral therapy to help wean them off opioid dependence. I try to connect them with the appropriate providers, but in our current healthcare environment, it's an uphill battle to get such patients the type of coordinated, intensive, and ongoing care they need. Another of my patients, who was in her mid-30s, also battles opioid addiction and chronic pain. Through her health maintenance organization plan, she's been taking Percocet since early 2015. Percocet is a combination of oxycodone and acetaminophen which work together in the central nervous system to block pain by binding with opioid receptors and inhibiting inflammatory chemical messengers. This patient disclosed that she had been prescribed opioids by multiple providers. Her initial prescription was for five milligrams twice per day. That has escalated to 10 milligrams three or four times a day. Her appearance is one of overwhelming fatigue with a flat affect. I would describe her condition as one of conscious sedation. In an outpatient orthopedics driven environment in which 45 minutes to one hour treatments are the norm, how am I to keep patients with drug addictions engaged? I had no training in my DPT program that covered physical or functional rehabilitation of individuals who have abused narcotics over the long term. Far too often, patients with chronic pain are prescribed physical therapy as a mere formality for the insurance provider, a pro forma precursor to imaging and surgery. But what if our profession was to become widely regarded as a key treatment in and of itself, obviating the need for less safe and more invasive care approaches? Also, is it any wonder that catastrophizing can result when patients are informed that byproducts of physical therapy may include degenerative disc disease with disc herniation or even severe canal stenosis? Is it any surprise that individuals hearing such terms might not only respond favorably to calls for unnecessary testing or even surgical intervention, but that they might even seek those things. It's not difficult to see why chronic pain has become a leading industry within medicine, costing the United States an estimated $635 billion annually. I constantly search for answers and consult with other providers. Not that physical therapists are alone in this challenge. Providers across healthcare and around the world have learned that there is a dire need for more interdisciplinary communication, training, and willingness to work together to problem solve. So, no, I've never left search and rescue. As a physical therapist, I remain part of an elite unit that has enlisted to fight to serve, protect, and try to rescue others. We are trained to optimize human function and help people recover from physical, neurological, and even emotional afflictions. We believe that the most realistic, lifelong prescription for optimal health is movement through exercise, not altering the body's chemical response through dose medications. Often, our most valuable tools as physical therapists are simply empathy and patient education. My calling is to reverse dependency on narcotics and to shift patients away from unnecessary and costly procedures by educating and rehabilitating them in a manner that holds them more accountable for their own health and well-being. It is my job, it is our job, to navigate these issues and to find ways to ensure that others may live robust lives without bearing the weight and engaging in the despairing cycle of opioid addiction. This has been an APTA podcast. APTA members can access the latest podcasts and transcripts at www.apta.org slash podcasts.